Jay, uh, nope. I saw, I saw nope. That- no, oh my god, you saw Jordan Peele's nope? I saw the nope. The newest film, live, the newest film on screen in the big picture from the director of Get Out and that Mad TV sketch? Yeah, I, I saw... I saw, nope, I saw IMAX, I, big, it's oh, such oh, a big Oh, you saw it on the big screen, oh, spectacle. that's so good. He spectacle. Hired, he, he hired Christopher Nolan's big camera guy, big yeah, camera special big. boy, to make the movie real big, oh, big aliens, ooh. oh, CGI, good. Big. Good movie. Spectac- it's such a spectacle. Uh, the, Marvel the Bible, who? The, the Bible, name three six. The, Nate, the Bible filth spectacle. There's he, he yeah, the Bible the, the the nope the nope stands for not not of planet not Earth. Of planet Earth. Ooh, no, makes you think. Uh, uh, did you notice? Oh my God! Did you notice the camera? Camera looked camera. like alien. Alien camera. Alien they, camera. They look eyes, the same. Eyes. Trauma. Eyes looking. Ooh. The, the cycles ooh, of trauma. Cycles of tra- ooh. Oh. Uh. Shoe. Thank you for indulging me in a little bit of scream therapy. Yeah, I'm really glad that we I'm glad that we got that out of our system. It seems to really help people, you know, relate to and, and understand uh, a complicated work. Yeah, yeah, I, I, absolutely. Uh, and I mean, I guess it sort of brings us to I mean, like if we can spend the session sort of talking about it uh yeah i i was screaming in the local theater for jordan peele's nope in in theaters now in theaters now yeah yeah hey hey i there's no way they're not gonna have it still be in the are you kidding (laughs) this is like one of the few films that they're gonna show for longer than one weekend and then it disappears or is sent to a theater in a in a town called like swamp bucket (laughs) <laughs> that is 78 miles away from you yeah uh, and that'll be the last place you get to see it before it you know right to blu-ray straight to blu-ray straight, straight to blu-ray to after an extremely successful plus. theatrical run yeah uh straight to paramount plus oh yeah and and then like 18 months later it shows up on like tubi <laughs> and somehow no. shows up on and somehow shows up on on like uh, one of the library streaming services, like before it's even out of theaters. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they are on top of that shit. Hey, if you, hey, if you're listening to this and you still haven't seen World Going to the World's Fair, they just added it to Hoopla, uh, which is a library streaming service that you, especially if you're based in the United States, can probably sign up for free through your local library. Shout out to Hoopla. Shout out to Canopy. We will always be doing free advertisement for them because, hey. Just get a fucking library card, you goofus. Get a library card. Canopy, Hoopla, and then our other favorite teat ones, uh, Mubi. Mubi? Mubi and Tubi. Mubi and Tubi, the the brothers. The dynamic duo. <laughs> the dynamic duo. Um, yeah, Nope. Nope is doing uh, shockingly well in its theater run for an uh, original uh, idea. <laughs> Oh my god, sorry. It's original films. It's just... I I know, I kept I kept trying to figure out how they were going to tie it into Euphoria, and they just didn't. They it was so weird. didn't. They there passed was no so cameo. Like, they didn't have a single deep fake Stan Lee walk in and point <laughs> and go, that's the alien. That's the guy. 
yeah, I we'll start with the big picture and then we'll 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 go into we'll, the nitty gritty. We'll go into the nitty gritty. We'll explain everything for you plebeian prol pieces of shit out there. Yeah, all you redditors, log on <laughs> to our podcast Patreon and support us. And then listen to this episode where we'll tell you what this movie was actually all about. Which is notoriously what our podcast is for. Is yeah, for- notoriously our podcast is all about really taking a movie and simmering it down to just the most basic element of what it is. <laughs> and then assigning it um, a number <laughs> and a funny reaction gif. <laughs> oh, make a make make your face for the video through a screenshot. Oh, I liked this movie a lot. No, this- I I I really liked it. I I will I will say now, cutting this off at the past. Uh, I don't get the impulse everyone is having to compare it to us. Yes, and write the Jordan Peeleverse films because I feel like. I and I say this as somebody who like I guess objectively liked us more. I feel like us and Nope are such strikingly different films. Same yes. director, his fingerprints are all over both movies, but they are like deeply different films. Yes. And that yeah, absolutely. Like I th- I think that's so part and parcel to like how a lot of people are are um how a lot of people are trying to kind of calibrate their reactions. Uh and yeah, nope, nope. I think I like better. I think I think I think it's his best movie, just in terms of like, this is the type of things that I. This is the type of stuff that I like when I come to films. Uh, it's a bit sparser by the standards of what we would call you know Hollywood features, right? It's more. It's slower, and it's it's. Uh, we see a lot of like Daniel Kaluuya's reactions to stuff. Um, but I, I thought that, like, what it did in service of atmosphere was uh, was really strong and worked really well for me. Uh, yeah. While still retaining that, like, you know, the peelisms, the, the uh, I wouldn't call it, like, a watertight script, but a really, really tight, punchy, smart script that's, like, he's very into the Chekhov's gun, and there's, like, 20 million Chekhov's guns in this film still. Um, yes, I, I was gonna say, he he is all about the the planting, he's all about the the... the rhyming and doubling of images Mm. where there's not necessarily a like i feel like a lot of people hit the mistake of trying to directly give meaning to like a thing appearing and then necessarily reappearing later but i think a lot of that is just like just a really smart impulse he has to kind of make his films feel more cohesive and more self-contained Yes. Um, which isn't to say that you can't extrapolate meaning from them, but I feel like a lot of people are trying to figure out, like, solve it as a puzzle and not just accept that, like, this is kind of a recurring trademark of his, is he likes to introduce images and ideas, props, lines, concepts early in the film that then reappear and are reintegrated or re- or show up in an unexpected way later in the film. And that's something, it's really interesting that you bring that up, the the sort of puzzle film aspect. Uh, I mean, we had, Get Out was less of a puzzle than than us, I would say, but Get Out still had that aspect that was like, okay, there's a conversation that grows out of Get Out. um, And, you know, there's a larger conversation that grows out of us that's not only about the meat of the film and like what it's talking about, but is about 
like, did you see this? Did you see that? What do you think that meant? What do you think that meant? Uh, and that stuff is, uh, I think that is really valuable in and of itself. And honestly, like, it's it's Jordan Peele's movies that, like, are are part of what helped us, like, start this podcast, kind of. Because, like, Get Out was definitely one of those movies where it was just, like, all of our friends, like, outside the theater being, like, oh, my God, that was crazy, blah, blah, blah. Did you see that? Did you see that? Yeah, and, no, no, I remember that. And and then Us was one of the first ones that, like, we liked so much we did two episodes on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is, yeah, absolutely. Which is which is unprecedented in modern film critters times. But, yeah, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, his... His films are obviously very, very buzzy and very talked about. And I want to uh, give this film an enormous compliment to say that it is cribbing a lot from one of my favorite movies of all time, The Host by Bong Joon-ho. Yeah! Uh, It's definitely, like, as much as it's clearly inspired by, you know, King Kong, Jurassic Park, Steven Spielberg, blah, 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 I felt the influence of The Host uh, in thematic content and in just in the way the like relationship between the animal and the humans and kind of how that dichotomy is prodded. Uh, but similar to the host, I think like this movie and the host suffer from the same problem where it's just like, how do you market that? <laughs> because I, I, I will say, I think they did a pretty good job marketing it. Um, except this second half of the marketing, where the correct impulse to go to was to kind of leave it very like, ooh, what's going on? What's all these things in the film? And then I avoided the second trailer because I had multiple friends tell me that like the second trailer killed a lot of their enthusiasm for the film because it apparently made it look like way more uh, of an on-track film, on-the-tracks film than it was, and also that it showed way too much. (laughs) Yes, I would definitely agree. Like, I... It's a film that's, like, wearing the jacket of a different film that's wearing the jacket of a different film. It, it like... I don't I don't so much want to say that it's on the nose. The movie certainly isn't on the nose. It's very, like, dense, you know, thematically speaking. But it's not the Where's Waldo that I think a lot of the promotion was... Uh, kind of hinting toward and kind of like kind of you know milking the reputation of us a little bit um i think that like what you're going to get from this movie is like you like the true value of nope ironically you know for such a buzzworthy thing and such a blockbuster blah 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 like ironically you are going to have to go into your hyperbolic time chamber all by yourself and like think about what it meant to you more than what it meant to like the world or what or what it was you know in a cemented specific way trying to say and the other the other style uh the other style shout out that i do want to get out of my system that like i definitely felt was there was i i I felt like the innards of the alien were extremely inspired by under the skin uh and that's not confirmed that's just me that's just me feeling like oh hey that's pretty cool if that is the case uh it 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 definitely feels like it kind of and i don't mean this in the negative sense but lifts um, that that sort of concept of this alien being that eats people in a way that isn't necessarily clearly delineated or explained to the audience, but is definitely horrifying. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. That shit was actually very, very scary. <laughs> the, the, the way it like slowly 
lets you draw the connection that the noises it's making are the sounds of the things that are trapped inside of it, which means that they are slowly being eaten. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> and like, I understand. I mean, like uh, people, people's reactions to this are kind of a little bit all over the place. I would say mostly positive. So I don't want to, I don't want to overstate. Like, I'm not saying that there's, you know, appeal backlash. Jordan Peele's canceled. This, ah, he's not actually like, it's not necessarily that that's the case, but I think a lot of people are scratching their heads over it. Um, but I, I, I think that if we're talking about the craft here, the way that it, uh, gives information and specifically gives the information about the alien, uh, kind of in a drip feed way throughout the movie was really good. Yeah, no, I, I, I think he, um, maybe a little bit to his detriment kind of learned from the from us that like okay if you don't give your audience like really any information they get a little too mad um and i think this felt like a lot him trying to strike that balance of like okay what's like enough lore and information that people can kind of like chew on it and write their little film essays but like not enough so that like the film becomes like uh the actual classic alien invasion film where there's just endless scenes of characters standing around talking and telling you what's going on yeah <laughs> or telling you the biology or telling you the facts about this creature cuz kind of the point is that like that's not the point like the, the the creature's how the creature works doesn't really matter so much as like the weird heuristics they develop to try to understand and explain the creature, which fits really well with the, the the recurring theme of animal training and like how we just kind of assign meaning to animals' behaviors that are maybe not actually informed by anything. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that there's a lot to be said about. Uh, I mean, like, it's definitely a movie that's like you know, it's it's to a certain extent about animal rights and it's about uh, you know, like unseen aspects of uh filmmaking and spectacle in general but i mean it, it's kind of unlike his prior movies which both feel sort of specific it's it's unfoldable and it's like this very it, it's this vague fable about the illusion of control uh and how i don't know like people think that like by viewing or by looking at something that they have control over it when they really don't at all so i do have to, we'd probably have to bring it in eventually but i'm bringing it because it's contextually relevant yeah the adam ellis tweets uh oh, okay <laughs> all right okay so i i bring it up because the whole thing he has where he's like listen man i appreciate the enthusiasm but i will not stand for john carpenter slander um gets at part of the thing i also really enjoy about jordan peele's films is that he's very clearly like not just like a sincere fan of the kind of horror film like history that he's drawing on right but like very clearly sees himself in conversation with it which is like the kind of egotistical move a director can pull off where it's like if you can pull it off it's good and if you don't it sucks so like yeah i will stand up and applaud when he puts his name over the footage of the jockey on the horse running just like yeah that's right motherfucker i'm in conversation with the entire history of film fuck you <laughs> and he's, he's right he is um yeah extremely bold move that i think pays off um but in that way a thing that i think he really gets about horror and how much he loves it is that like 
horror doesn't need to be about something to still be about something, if that makes sense. Mm. Because a lot of the the uh, horror film directors that he obviously takes a lot of influence from, stuff like Chud, the stuff, the sort of 80s, like, new headline stuff, Wes Craven and John Carpenter are pretty obvious, like, influence points on him. Very much so kind of start with these ideas of, like, folding these things in, but rather than doing the thing that a lot of modern film has the issue with, which is making the film solely operate on the logic of a metaphor, also folds in a good heaping of, wouldn't it be fucked up <laughs> if this happened? <laughs> so it's like, he draws, like, and that's, I think that works because it ends up giving the films a lot denser things to work on because there's not just a one-to-one metaphor. It's a miasma of, like, thoughts and reactions to things that the filmmaker is seeing and thinking about and drawing on and a mixture of like, well, they're getting at like primal or cultural human fears. And so from that, you can build off so many things because human fears are socially constructed. So there's a lot of ideas to that. And it makes his films like that was like a big thing, like why I loved us as like such a fucking glow up step up to get out, which is already really good is that it was him kind of like, like, all right, like get out was my like that was that was my my training level. Uh, now it's time for me to like go full Super Saiyan. And then this is like him going even further um, where it's like him doing the same sort of thing with us, but throwing in like a lot more. Um, difficult filmmaking stuff like us works because it's very on the ground and human and so this is a film where it's like you have to know how to film something that is a lot more big yes so it feels a lot he's getting a lot bolder with his style with this one and that's why like even though i i would objectively say i liked us more i'm still really hyped about this because it's such a clear step in his evolution as a director to be like okay I, I, I feel confident in my ability to make films in this sort of style that I want to make them. I want to try to push myself to do something that's like even even further different direction than I've been able to make so far. I want to make some I want to go from making movies that are about people to movies that are about fucked up aliens and animals. <laughs> and also people, but <laughs> Yeah. And I mean he has he has a hard job. He has to kind of conceptualize and shoot the sky in a way that makes it feel uh, really, really mysterious and uh, kind of scares people, you know, in the, in the same way that Jaws scared people, right? Yeah, oh, and he just, oh, it's it's such a good job. He he really captures both, like, the beauty of, like, big open areas and also the awareness of the high visibility of them and also if something started coming towards you from the other side of them, where are you going to go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to see wherever you go. <laughs> Yeah, that's sh- this. This movie was actually very nerve wracking, which is like it's. That's it, so rare. That's like, so, and I love horror films. That's still so rare for like most horror films. But there were definitely moments where I was fucking stressed out watching this movie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like the way it consistently drives up the pressure of just like, okay, not only is this thing able to just silently zip wherever it wants to go, uh. It is also going to digest you slowly and and crush you alive and uh and it's the scariest thing you've ever seen that could ever happen to anyone. Uh and yeah, you're basically fucked. Yeah. Uh and 
I want to return to it. And also, the military probably not coming to help you. <laughs> <laughs> Almost definitely, assuredly not. Um, I because I do I bring that up now because I do want to bring to it. I do love the continuing, slowly growing theme in his words. So clear that Jordan Peele loves reading conspiracy stuff because all of his films have had like very obvious draws from like deep conspiracy like literature. Mm. So what would you what would you say is the case for this movie? Oh, so obviously there's, you know, like the, there's the whole scene with um oh god, what's the character's name? The Fry's Electronics guy. Uh Angel. Angel. Yes, the the whole scene of Angel where he's explaining like oh they call them UAPs and he's like connecting it to like modern alien for like way to put it discourse and like arguments that they have amongst like modern like UFO re- like paranormal research community mm-hmm. um but there's a lot of like really small subtle things that are kind of sewn throughout it right um early on there's the radio broadcast about the missing hitchhikers Ooh. and the missing campers which is right before uh, the storm of like keys and like coins and stuff that people who were hitchhiking and camping probably would have had on them, but which couldn't be digested. Yes. Um, and within like a lot of conspiracy paranormal stuff, there's the whole missing hiker thing. That was it. it was hikers? Uh, mm. Is what they said. Like they were, that were missing. Um, and the, you know this sort of theme of like, oh, people keep going missing in these really specific areas, and the government doesn't seem too concerned about it (laughs) um there's the the sort of implicit implication there's like a couple other lines here and there which imply that like people probably know about this thing and are like observing slash researching it right um there's the the kind of vague feeling of a cover-up there was like the flash flood thing like that whole thing is very clearly like okay they know a flash flood didn't happen because yeah. you see the place where they all disappeared and there was not a flash flood that happened there it's it's very clear that like there's some degree of like implicit covering up going on um there's the oh yeah a plane flew overhead and a bunch of stuff fell out of it which is like delivered yeah. to OJ's character as if it's a confirmed fact but like it it isn't we know that we know that it's not a plan that did it and it doesn't come off like they're like oh we think this happened it's like oh no no no! don't worry about it that that's this is what happened right hmm uh so it's like a bunch of stuff in it that kind of implies a, a grander conspiracy which definitely relates to like a lot of like ufo conspiracy theory stuff um obviously in, in us there's the underground tunnels and the concept of like brainwashing and controlling the masses um get out has like a whole you know the theme of like a literal conspiracy of rich white elites uh kidnapping and torturing uh minority people for their own benefit uh and especially to help them live forever uh none of this is to necessarily say that i think jordan peele is like a, a conspiracist like i don't think this is him like you know he's like planting all the clues for the audience to get it i i just think that he very clearly sees that that stuff is like fertile ground for for horror narratives with regard to the like conspiracy angle um i i think that like he kind of designs his movies with a certain level of appeal to people who are like into conspiracies as in a way that he probably is 
Uh, yeah. And which kind of brings me to, like, an interpretation that I have about this film, which is that, like, yeah, when we think about UFOs or UAPs, whichever, you know, term you want to go with, um, there is an Im- indication, or an implication, I should say, that, uh, that like, it's, you know, little green men, it's like a society, they're from another planet, and they're coming here with a very specific intent, you know, uh, and... I think that, like, uh, you know, especially with the positioning of uh, Angel's Angel's character, um, or Brandon Perea's character, Angel, uh, he's saying something, or at least I kind of read between the lines here, maybe a little bit too much, and and feel like he's saying something about the conspiracy, or, 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 you know, the concept of conspiracy in and of itself, where, where there's a lot of, like conspiracy leads down the road of you're just talking about the conspiracy and you're not talking about the problem that the conspiracy is related to and for a lot of things it's 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 kind of less that there's necessarily a conspiracy or that or or that things are more complicated than than they are but like that like no what you see is kind of what you get and we are like ostensibly victims to this like mode of consumption and uh, I, I would say it's, you know, we have to bring up the C word and say capitalism here because I, like, that I think is the thing that kind of, the, the effect that kind of sands down all of the conspiracy and all of the different intent or possible intents that, like, an alien can have for coming to human or for coming to Earth. Uh, like, at the end of the day, you know, if if we're thinking about things and this sort of framework of colonial capitalism, then consumption is you know it's it's the name of the game and it's all there really is and there's no there's no other uh, sort of there's no other sort of intent to prod. So he's he's saying like we know what the problem is. So maybe you know less of the bullshit and, 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 and more of like actually kind of tackling that. I, I don't know if that's how you interpreted it or not. I, I can definitely see. And I think part of what he does with like the use of conspiracy is that it's like, what is conspiracy ultimately, but a theory of how power by unseen forces moves against you. Yeah. That's, that's like, that's horror. <laughs> <laughs> that is horror as a genre. It, an, 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 an unseen or previously unseen force of power moving against you. Um, and so I think part of his fascination with it might just be like as narratives and as like, way, you know, you can get more into like the nitty gritty of like ways of looking at and getting at power where you kind of return that back to the conversation. But I think the way he uses them in the film to me also just comes off as like just a very smart understanding of like, conspiracies and the approaches of them get out a lot of the ideas both of horror and also the ideas of like the kind of stuff I want to talk about in my films mm-hmm. which is like what better mode of operandi to like examine different types of like fucked up relationships especially with how they're defined by class and power and race than the genre of horror because that shit is fucking horrifying <laughs> yeah uh yeah it's I, I, it's really deft and it's really, it's a really smart way of kind of manifesting those themes. Um, and I did want to kind of, uh, just kind of go through like a couple of quick reactions to some of the, some of the characters in the film, starting with, uh, Angel Torres, 
we I, I, I just want to continue the theme of like ob- objectifying uh, at least one man in every Jordan Peele movie and this time it's going to be Angel because oh my god the like frosted tips doomer boyfriend thing oh he is so hot he is <laughs> he's so good so... The, he's... The, the squirrely little shit <laughs> <laughs> just like Hating his job, hating his life, but then they go back to his apartment. Oh my god, it's like the best scene in the fucking movie when they're at his apartment playing playing VR games while he's like mining Bitcoin in the background and like OJ is just sitting there thinking, just like Yeah. Thinking through the problem while they're fucking around on like roller coasters and in haunted houses and virtual reality. I the way he delivers line that sets it up where he's like, Alright, well like my house is free because <laughs> I'm guessing you guys don't want to go back to the murder house. Just very like, though, like it's the end of the night uh, guy who's a good enough friend that he's not going to like put you out in a shitty situation, but also it's just very begrudging of the fact that he's like, listen, my house is not built for me to live in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah. I, I, I loved, I loved his inclusion. I love his character was so funny. I love that they rewrote the scripts to uh, make him more depressed. <laughs> I did not know that. That's really funny. He was supposed to be like happy go lucky, and apparently, and just like, oh yeah, I'm here to help you guys set up your stuff. Yeah. I whoa. I am so glad he did not go in that direction because that would have made the film a, a little too Spielberg in the annoying way. For real, and I mean, it makes it makes him work so much better with the film because it's like. You know, I this is something that I'm going to touch on in a second, but like, you know, capitalist alienation. We like, yeah, he, no, it, 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 it works so much better that all the characters are to some extent traumatized or disillusioned or depressed. Yeah, like he wants to do a good enough job at his real job, but there is a bigger bag to chase in this situation. And, and he sees that and it's it's just smart. It's just, yeah, a smart use of that character daniel kaluuya and kiki palmer uh as this sort of like right brain left brain sibling situation i thought they were fantastic Uh, it was so weird seeing how many people like it's weird to see that things have come around in a way where it's like instead of people being like well that character wasn't really emotive the actor must be bad at their job it's come around to instead this other like reverse version where it's like, why didn't they let him act? <laughs> why did they stop Daniel from acting? And it's like, I, I think maybe he was act. You know, he's a good actor. You've seen him in other stuff. You know, he can act. Yeah. You have that he's object acting. permanence. He's, acting. <laughs> he's doing acting. He's doing actor. I mean, like, He's giving, like, John Wayne in this shit. Like, he's such a natural, you know, Western star. Uh, even though he's fucking British! But, you I know. I keep forgetting he's British. <laughs> I don't think I've seen a movie where his British accent comes out. Let me see. He th- Hold on. There was a Kick-Ass 2. Ugh, and don't he was remind in it. Me. Don't remind <laughs> me. Don't get me fucking started. Uh, no, but yeah, like, he, he, he was, he was very restrained, but I, I really think that it, like, they did that very on purpose, um, you know, as, as a sort of contrast to, uh, Kiki Palmer, who is fucking electric. She is so, so good. Uh, and their relationship, like, 
I, I think that they had improvised like a, a couple of different versions of that uh, really pivotal monologue that Kiki Palmer has. Uh, but yeah, it's it. I I felt it. I think it was a success. I think they really stuck the landing, not only in terms of just like acting their asses off as like being siblings, but just like all everything that's kind of simmering underneath and how they, you know, how they like see each other, but they're like made to be in competition with each other and. You know, one of them's heart is in the ranch, and one of them is like not, and all all of this stuff. Um, yeah, it made me really want to watch this movie with uh, my own siblings. Aw, no, they did they did a they did a really good job with the characters. I I I will say, uh, I do agree with a critic that criticism that a friend of the pod had, mm-hmm. um, which is that uh, Kiki Palmer great kills it, uh, but it was very much like, when are they just gonna like? Sometimes you see a role and you're just like, this was written for like a fat butch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I do have to agree. I have to, having seen that that tweet and then seeing the movie, I'm like, I do gotta agree. I could definitely see the ways this character was supposed to be uh, a chubbier butch. But I still think Kiki Palmer nails it. I think she does a great job. Uh, it's so, I, it's super funny you say that. I, there's like a scene that like. You get like two seconds of it in the international trailer, but I think she was supposed to be a lesbian in this film, and I'm so angry that she. Oh, not. she is. Yeah, it, it it is, and it is still in the film. Oh, it is. So there's um two specific lines that make it more explicit, um, but you know, obviously you need, you don't see any characters with really any romantic interactions, so you, you wouldn't. It's not yeah. like it, it it has to come up for that way to put it naturally. Um, the the two times it comes up are. When they're talking uh, right before the the line, the whole bit about the original Jean Jacket horse, mm-hmm. um, she says she has like a joke about like, oh, like so I was talking about this with my therapist, and he's like, your therapist, and she goes, yeah, I've been fucking this therapist, <laughs> which is incredible bit, it, perfect Abbott and Costello routine there, um, but then but then she goes. So she was saying, and it's very, it's very natural like that, or like not to like be like, oh, I like it when they don't shiv it in your face. But I, I like that there's no point where she's like, yeah, I was having sex with a woman. She's <laughs> just like this person I was having sex with. She, cause it's like, yeah, she's talking to her fucking brother. She works with like, he knows she's gay. She's not going to make a point of expl- making it explicit. Right. Um, and then when they're in the fries and they're shopping for stuff uh she she makes a a comment about a a woman they pass having a big ass damn i should have watched the movie a second time i forget all the gay shit can't believe it. yeah no it's like i said it's 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 really minor stuff it's very like i do not it is unfortunately has that little bit of a feeling of like these are things that can be cut uh for for further releases which i don't know if that's studio intervention or if that's just like the script he was writing realizing that like he's writing this character as a lesbian but there's nothing in the film that confirms it so kind of putting in like a few one-off lines to like make it more obvious that this character is intended to be read as such yeah um but yeah i i i appreciated that there was no uh pixar oh there's my partner i've been talking about this whole film and she (laughs) runs over and it's a woman (laughs) what (laughs) Yeah, I you know I yeah that's that's good that's good I suppose, I mean I don't know it's uh, Jordan Peele it just would, giving it, us the scraps. To I I chew his, on ne- bone. his next film, 
all all gay bitches. That's <laughs> Jordan, you're on notice. Next film, gay bitches. He's actually responsible for they slash them. It's kind of an Ellen <laughs> Smithy situation. I'm so hyped for they. Oh, I can't wait for they slash them. It's gonna be so I, bad. My favorite response is people being like, "Um, can we not mind queer tragedy for slasher films?" And I was like. No, can we? Can, can we more? Can we start? Can we? Yeah, can we start? We've already. There was a fucking school shooter kid in the fucking Texas Chainsaw movie. What, we can't do shit about stuff gay people deal with? <laughs> yeah, we're already past the threshold on absolute soullessness in media. Uh, yeah. Which, you know, hey, what is what the movie we're talking about is about? Hey, what what the... that was That was a great transition. That was a great. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I love what this movie has to say about film and Hollywood, both as an industry and also as like a place where meaning is made and like yeah. a place where stories are told. And it's very, very smart. And it's super fucking cool to see Jordan Peele tackle these kinds of ideas about looking and watching and films and narrative and also folding into that critiques and discussions of the Hollywood as a system and machine in his like fucking third movie. In his like third, <laughs> like yeah. out the gate, he's ready. Yeah, I, this one definitely had like by a crazy standard, like a much higher budget than his other stuff. Um, and I mean, the as far as the, kind of the critique on like Hollywood and like the gays and all of this stuff, like I really loved Michael Wincott uh, previously of Alien Resurrection. <laughs> Oh, that's that's where I recognize that those dulcet tones from. Uh, no, you're right. Yeah, I was like, I I was watching it. and I was like, this guy looks so familiar. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I noticed that by by being gay. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Michael Wincott. He like we see him, and like the first time that we ever see him, he's like basically looking at animal snuff films and stuff. Just this like breathless search for meaning in in a in a vacuum of nothingness uh which also goes into fucking jupe's character which was like by far my favorite character of the movie uh i i i adored jupe's i huge shout outs to nailing the way like celebrity tragedy is mined for comedy yeah oh my god um the fucking Mad Magazine cover is just, like, pitch perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, like, I, I, I am not immune. I, I, will, I will admit, I, I've laughed at a, a Natalie Wood joke here and there. Mm. Um, but, god damn, what, just, like, really, really ruthless in just being, like, hey, it's kind of fucked up how, like, real people going through some of the most traumatizing shit is like late night talk show fodder. <laughs> yeah. His whole fucking SNL monologue is like, so it, it's like so fucking funny. And you're sitting there laughing because he's just like, who was it that like played Gordy? Uh, Chris Kattan. Chris Kattan. He's like, cause he keeps, cause he keeps talking about Chris Kattan peak of his career, which is such a funny thing to say about Chris Kattan. <laughs> he killed it, man. He fucking killed it on that stage. Like, so so funny but like just that that all of that stuff with him is like such a centerpiece of the film it's just like because he's he can't 
get too mad about it because he's also like monetizing this trauma and he's also renting out this room of memorabilia from the worst experience of his life as an Airbnb situation. Yeah. So he has to sit there and be like, yeah, that SNL skit, man, that shit like was so funny. You know, they they knocked it out of the park. Like the wild thing of like him still talking about the show in like promoting it on a talk show circuit way where it's like very clearly from everything that we're shown is just like the like stupidest con like the it's fucking elf it's fucking elf yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> and he's just talking about it like yeah no it was like you know it was gonna change television and then tragedy struck but you know like you gotta laugh about it sometimes and it's just like <laughs> it was you a co-worker of yours died and another one was permanently scarred mm -hmm. for fucking elf <laughs> <laughs> for mork and mindy bro yeah <laughs> yeah like it's it's hideous i mean when you when you when you sort of peel back the layers on it it's it's really it's hideous and it's kind of you know the the film is kind of nihilistic in its own way and it, and it plays in this land of like being kind of guilty by association right because it's like this movie is also consuming the images of like because that's like that's real shit that happened the travis you can look up travis the chimpanzee who you know ate a woman's yeah. face i i will say that is like uh one thing with jordan peele stuff so far that kind of sticks in my craw and this is a horror film problem in general yeah but the like I was willing to, like, I was very like, oh, like, it makes sense for the character to have a raspy voice based on, like, a type of, like, tracheal injury you can get because the character has had a tracheal injury. Mm. Um, but then to kind of use for, like, shock and horror value, like, a woman's disfigured face modeled off of the real disfigured face of a woman whose story you're quoting for the film, mm -hmm. that was, like... I that that was a little weird. <laughs> it's almost it's like almost a bridge too far. It potentially is a bridge too far, but I mean like you know, art is dangerous. <laughs> yeah. No, it's 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 like ultimately I have you know, like it's what we live in fucking a post uh once upon a time in Hollywood world. Like <laughs> I, I and I've gone on here and I've defended like fucking uh, murder, death, create down. So like, I, I'm not going to be like this crossed the line. It is just a thing where it's like, man, like you had all that criticism after us. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, this was a thing that you could have like pretty easily avoided. <laughs> and the fact that he's like, he's kind of, you know, stepping gingerly under the bear trap by saying like, the whole Oprah shot thing, like he's he's so clearly referencing the Travis incident with, yeah. with so much of this. And it, it's, you know, it, it's it's expounded to be like a show and like, you know, kind of this capitalistic thing, whereas in, in real life it was, you know, more complicated or whatever. But like, yeah, it's it, it's a little touchy. It's it's a thing of like. It it is to be fair, fuck way to put it. It is also definitely drawing on like it's taking the Travis the Chimp thing and it's grafting it onto like things that do happen. Like there's you know there's there's fucking John Landis killing those two kids and yes. uh, what's his name, 
uh, Vic Morrow. There's um, uh, the the crow shooting. Yeah. Um, there's there's Alec f- Baldwin. There's Alec Baldwin's shooting. Um, that he did on purpose. There's um, <laughs> allegedly, alleged, not, not allegedly, allegedly. Don't sue us. There's there's a movie, a film infamous called Roar that got a redistribution oh my God, yeah. that was part of and like that I think is also partially what he's actually drawing on because that was part of the like Jaws ripoff wave of just like movies about killer animals, mm. which you know he's he's definitely drawing on the sort of like creature feature film. Um, hold on, let me find it because there is an actress in that film who was also mauled by a lion. And you can look at photos of her and her face is different. Yeah. Um, because she had access to probably uh, Melanie Griffith. Mm, yeah. Uh, she had like her like scalp ripped off, if I remember correctly. So like you can look at photos from like pre and post that. And like she definitely like had to have some facial reconstructive surgery. So it's like he kind of skates on it because he is drawing on like a lot of different things. But the most explicit thing he's drawing on is de- that people who watching this are going to immediately connect it to is the Travis the Chimp thing, which does make that that shot feel like a little like. Yeah. And then she gets eaten by an alien, so it's especially just like. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's that's pretty nihilistic. That's pretty, you know, that's that's pretty whatever. I, th- I think. um I, I don't know. I, I would say if I was her, though, in, like, my last moments in that alien, I would be so fucking pissed. <laughs> like, oh, great. This fucking kid was on a show with me, and I got mauled by a chimp, and he didn't. And then he invites me to his little fucking stunt to, <laughs> to, to help cross-promote it, and I get fucking eaten by an alien. <laughs> this dude's fucking bad luck. <laughs> I swear to God. Like, I'm... I'm I, I've been sick of hearing about this show. I've been sick of thinking about it for all of these years, and that it, this is this is what fucking happened. I, God damn it! That kid, that kid told me he had a crush on me one time, and I was like, "Ooh, oh, uh. fuck!" This, this has actually like happened multiple times over the years. Like every time he gets her together in some new scheme, like hot coffee gets spilled on her lap, and she has to sue <laughs> McDonald's. Uh. It's. <laughs> It's just like an ongoing Ed, Ed and Eddie thing that they have together. Yes. They're, they're, <laughs> they're star-crossed lovers in a, in a very fucked up way. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, we could sit here and kind of chop it up about the, the finer details or whatever all day long, but I think that's maybe not what we're supposed to... Not what we're supposed yeah, to do. Yeah, I know. Do. Like, I... I... I just felt because it's the one the one kind of critique of the film I haven't really saw brought up. Oh and no, it's, yeah, it's a thing or it's like I would feel remiss not mentioning it because it was one thing that stuck out to me is like, man, come on, like this this came up with us already, like yeah, <laughs> you, you know that that's like a little weird to to use actual people's disfigurements as like shock value. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, but whatever. Um, well, I mean, I'm glad you brought it up because I was feeling that way as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but other than that, like the the the, I, I think you're right. He is very smartly, or he is very. He is indicted a little bit in this as well, and he's mm. kind of aware of that. Yeah, uh, which I think is like I think good filmmakers know when to not pull the punches on themselves either, and how to avoid that from being too masturbatory. Um, I. 
like that he allowed himself his one boomer moment of the film with the TMZ guy. <laughs> that was really that was really funny. And yeah. the the minor the minor Chekhov's gun of just like a, a, the horse being freaked out by the like sphere and then his his helmet is like one big sphere kind of eye eye like so of course he's gonna get eaten by the fucking alien. Um, also that that character is apparently named uh, Ryder Mybridge, who's Mybridge is the guy who got credit for uh, the black uh, horseman footage that they talk about in the film. Mybridge was the guy, the, basically the first guy that put together motion pictures blah 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 yeah no no i i i saw that as well i was like oh that's that's pretty clever yeah uh, so he's he's also there to steal their to steal their thunder and to take away their legacy essentially and he's you know and he has the same name as the guy i i do think it's really funny how everyone just agrees that he must actually be from tmz because of the the line kiki palmer has but i i assume that he was just like a weird like youtuber guy <laughs> like and he was just like i'm gonna do i'm gonna go do my own exploitative uh investigation on this because like of the way he like immediately harasses her logan paul didn't like this movie because that's him yeah <laughs> logan paul was <laughs> logan paul's massive threat and then like the rest of the threat is just him like and what happened to that guy he does actually complain about the guy on the motorcycle because he's like i thought the guy was gonna be like a badass villain and then he's just like some guy and it's like yeah god imagine <laughs> yeah that's that's a huge theme of the movie. <laughs> Imagine just like not being a person who like watches or cares about fucking movies actually, but just like makes a 50 tweet fucking thread about it. It's it drove me so wild just being like people would just being like, I don't get it. Like, why was the guy there? Why was the shoe up? And it's like, did you miss like the line that was in the trailers? <laughs> <laughs> Were you watching? Were you like yeah, listening you and paying attention? Were you on Did your... you go to the bathroom every time a unfortunate coincidence happened? <laughs> huh. Yeah. No, yeah. Those 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 takes about the movie are I mean like, you know, always always infuriating. Something about Twitter. Just Yeah. And Reddit. And and Reddit. And and YouTube. Facebook. And all of these uh all of these platforms that were relying on that turn us all into mini spectacles of our of our own making um and until we are all consumed and our bones are spat out by uh, the machine yeah well uh i liked i liked the gore house i liked the part where it just it just gets mad at them <laughs> and so it's like i'm gonna cover your house in in blood and guts that was a classic that was such a like that's like the 80s like horror movie set piece moment right there yeah no that 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 was also the sequence that i was like this is like actually genuinely stressful because the film is very like what if i just killed one of these characters right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah what if i mean like they could you know we you don't know the full capacity and capability of the alien like it's it there's kind of, you know, different parts where it's, like, able to, like, destroy things and rip the roof off of shit and all of this stuff. So, yeah, that was a really, really nerve-wracking scene. Um, what did you think of Barbie Ferreira's small cameo? That was so good. I was so... That's, that is another thing I did. I'm so sad she didn't have more than that, like, brief scene. Yeah, I'm like... I, I thought she was gonna, like, 
get roped into it somehow. Like she was going to be watching the cams from like the the Fry's Electronics. <laughs> Her inclusion was still like funny to me. Like I I, I just love Hot Cheetos coworker. No, it's it's perfect. I've I've had that. Everyone has had that coworker. Yes, yeah. it's, it's such a great inclusion. It it rounds out the world so much to just give him this. <laughs> This in her pajamas at work coworker yeah. eating, eating fucking hot cheetahs and she's like, "What are you doing?" Hey, what you doing? Um, yeah, could have could have had more of her. Uh, although I understand she just, just call out just like some dust getting kicked up about her Tumblr history, but I don't want to. Eh, that's neither here nor no. there. I can't believe one of the kids on Euphoria had a problem. At- this is just going to be, this is like why Hollywood has been afraid to have big actors that are under the age of like 40. Yeah. It's because anybody yeah, that young has a problematic Tumblr history and none of them know how to file takedown notices to the, uh, to the Wayback machine. Oh my God. Yeah. That our, our, our collective infosec is going to, is going to run us all off the rails. Uh, but you know there won't soon there won't be any industries anymore, and we'll all be uh, kind of just busking, uh, you know, either on the internet or in wherever we are. We'll we'll be describing films. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be doing the the flipbook thing. So Jordan Peele just uh, released his script on the dark web for a movie that he was, is never going to get funding for because uh, all uh, of the studios burned down. Wow, that's crazy. That this this script is really good. Let's talk about it on our on our podcast. Another doubling thing I really liked is the the chimp being set off by the balloon popping and then the alien being defeated by a balloon pop. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's really good. Um I big fan uh yeah, listen, I like all the doubling. Um I like giving the characters um somewhat of a complicated history of their father without overly relying on just the dad being abusive. Like, oh, yeah. just acknowledge that, like, you can have a really fucked up, complicated relationship to your family and parents by stuff that is almost kind of traumatizing in its own way because of the larger context of it. That, like, you know, it may be a different context, would not have been as big a deal, but, like, that's just, like, so real that she seizes on, like, one image of, like, looking out the window, which, by the way, framed, like, uh, like she's looking through a, a camera. Uh, mm. At her brother training her horse, yeah, and, like that. She doesn't really remember much else about it other than just like that moment and him looking at her and him being like, "I don't really remember that moment, but I'm glad it meant something." Yeah, that was. I mean, like, just an unbelievably real and heartfelt and uh, sweet and also really interesting moment because it's like so much of kind of what we think about in terms of like familial. Not, I don't want to strictly say abuse, but like the the wider umbrella of like how we treat each other in terms of like family structures. Uh, capitalism infects that, and yeah, that is like when I think about my own experiences of, you know, what I would technically call abuse or whatever. It's like I there there is a much bigger beast at play than simply like family members or people who were in my life in the past. Like it there. It, there was something like in that scene, they needed to, you know, they needed a little bit of money. They had to sell the horse to the Scorpion King. Uh, 
which is such a good gag. Really and then you good. see him later wearing the Scorpion King crew hoodie. Yeah. So I, I, I want to know so much how he came to decide Scorpion King was going to be the, the, the pull for that. It has to just be like, you know, a movie that was like so expensive and so produced, but like ultimately was like kind of a blip. Like, where yeah. you hear it and you're like, the Scorpion, that's a weird pull. Like, that's super uh, fucking A bizarre. movie that you maybe remember seeing in theaters or on DVD, but which has no memory or meaning to you, and thus to make it really funny that it has, like, extreme meaning to them because of the, 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 of the realities of working on it. Mm-hmm. Also yeah. very funny to, to to be honest about like the 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 fact that like yeah even the fucking garbage like Scorpion King uh means a lot to the people who worked on it because they they had to work on it yeah. not necessarily that it means a lot to them fondly <laughs> <laughs> but they have a very different relationship to it than like the consumer end of it Oh 100% yeah and yeah the kind of this film history, filmic history thing, where it's, like, not not just about the Moybridge footage from, like, 200 years ago or whatever, but it's also about, like, things that have happened and continue to happen and, like, this whole history of, like, behind-the-scenes work and, you know, logistics that occur that, like, no one ever hears about or knows about. And a lot of people's, uh, you know, are people being kind of consumed and taken advantage of in, in those structures, uh, which is really, really interesting. Um, I do not want it necessarily to go unmentioned that um, this film by a black director that features a main character who is a black man named OJ, uh, when we, uh, and like the white people's reactions to hearing that his name is OJ and just all of them being like, oh, <laughs> because partially because they thought that they were getting like his, his sister. Yeah. Or, uh, or his father is, is a lot of what they think of. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the father... Because isn't isn't his name OJ? Because it's like it's his father's name, Junior. Like Otis Junior, I think so. Yeah. Um. Yes. And how like outside of film history, there is a very big spectacle having to do uh with a man named OJ that on a white bronco. In a <laughs> on a white bronco, uh, which you could say again, you know, kind of part and parcel with like everything else we've been talking about was an insane thing to make a spectacle out of on every possible level, uh, just from the stance of it being kind of preying on all of these, like, racist interpretations of, you know... I mean, like, just playing on the structure of racism in general, and, like, that is that is a texture that should not go, like, unnoticed, um, but also doesn't also doesn't necessarily seem like it's, like, at the core of the argument but it's like super important you know what i mean yeah no no it, it definitely feels like it's it's another thing that he's drawing on it's another thing that he weaves into his film because he knows it it brings in a lot of connotations that echo into the work and introduce ideas into the film mm-hmm. um i mean it a lot of the, the a strength and weakness of the film and it's in it's for like more traditional use of the sense of postmodernist in film is how much it's referential to like larger media and pop culture. But I mean, Scream is also one of the best fucking horror films ever made. And yeah. it's that is like the defining feature of the Scream series. Yeah. Um, 
so like i i like it i don't think that's a problem but it's like that the film is like top to bottom not just in explicit but in like so many small details are like lifted from like other kind of famous tragic celebrity or hollywood or entertainment culture things um jupe's uh other starring role is like a pretty explicit reference to uh short round and his and his film career yeah yeah, and, uh, and like the the weird sense of like othering and you know tokenizing and, and him having to lean into it, to, yeah. But like kind of change it over time to make it like more acceptable. But also, it's like how he makes his money. Um. Yeah, there's there's a, a lot in the film that it it feels very very smart about like the way it's it's drawing on other movies and like other imagery and stories and stuff because it knows that the audience has at least a subconscious familiarity with it like even if people don't pick up the exact references or like the sort of larger things he's drawing on it seeps so much into the culture that like the the, the little lights in their brain are going to light up still i mean like that sounds familiar yeah absolutely yeah and i i bring up the oj thing not as a like Oh, that's kind of tasteless. Like, I think that it's more tasteful than the, like, you know, than, than the references to Travis the Chimpanzee, because it's like, you, when you see the white people's reactions of just like, oh, ugh, mm, like, it's, it's kind of saying something more subtly. Uh, yeah. And no, 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 it's, 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 it feels a lot more apropos to the film and the commentary it's drawing on in, in a little less exploiting of like a person who was not a celebrity <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean like oj has had to you know he's had to do the ricky jupe park thing he's had to monetize his trauma you know and he's has all of these he's got book deals and reality shows and stuff so uh on point critique there i guess yeah um but yeah you know as as the movie does that is a much that is hinting at a much larger conversation. Um, that I think, I think it's good. That the movie's making people maybe have potentially. I don't know. Like I think there's five million different ways and di you know five million different conversations that you can have about this film. Uh, and... Oh no, absolutely. Like I, I I think he's got getting very he has gotten very good pretty very quickly at at making films. Like I said at the start that are, are dense of meaning that have things that you can tease out. There's so many small little plot threads that you can just grab. There's so many things that like you could literally, we could probably do like a, a twice as long as the film discussion and analysis of just every use of camera and angling and yeah. framing it. Like, like I said, like he's the, the conversation around looking in this film is literally like, larger than we could possibly have in one conversation oh yeah. yeah um even small details like when they're at the fucking burger place and there's like kids fighting each other outside filming each other yeah like getting it for tiktok and shit yeah just just like stuff like that where it's like even in this kind of quiet moment there's still something that you could you could turn into a spectacle going on outside mm -hmm. yeah absolutely uh, but you know that that these are all indicators of success. I think I think it's a successful film. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a one that'll uh, make you think. Oh yeah, it'll it'll get your noggin spinning. You and know? I 
I, I also got to appreciate it just on the level of like it is a it is a blockbuster film in a smaller sense, but it is a blockbuster film in that like this is a film like a lot of Americans are going to go see and a lot of people are going to go out to the theater to see and they're going to have a good time. And a lot of people, I'm sure, are just going to have a, a good popcorn film time. But God damn it, it is nice when one of those films uh, is not just shallow military propaganda. Right. Like, <laughs> it's good that I can, like, watch it and sit there and be entertained, actually. And, like, I'm not going to say it's one of my, you know, I'm not going to say it's one of my favorite movies ever of all time. But it's good and that is crazy <laughs> right it now is, it is crazy that a film can be good in this way have dense like have stuff that people can talk about and things that people can tease out that pay to both uh ending explained youtuber types and also people who actually care about film uh and then also just be like massively accessible and like massively like just a narrative film that like yeah you can just watch it like you could just have a fucking family day out at the theaters and go see Nope, and like you'll have a you'll get your you'll get your popcorn's worth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, you know, those these kinds of things are kind of increasingly. I don't know if they're you know increasingly rare, but it feels rare that it it kind of penetrates to all these different levels of like fandom and viewing and uh, different audiences and just all sorts of things. The funniest reaction I saw to this film, and I had to stop reading it, was because uh, so Jordan Peele had posted the full Gordy's poem uh, opening because you don't really see it in the film; you just sort of see it in the background. Yeah, uh, he posted it on Twitter, and the funniest reaction I saw to it, which uh, minorly spoiled things, but then I was like, "This makes me more excited." Was the first top reply was just I've been going like, "So I didn't really get the whole thing with Gordy. Was the ape in league with the aliens?" <laughs> And I read that and I was like, that is the funniest question to ask. Because knowing still nothing about the film, I already know the answer is no. <laughs> I mean, in a fucked up way, the answer is kind of yes. Yeah. <laughs> but like, only in like a thematic sort of heady way. Like, I don't know. Motherfucker I... wants to wants to eat, wants to roam, wants to hang out, wants to hunt. The, the, the bit of like, it's because it's I think she had asked about the shoe. Like, she thought that the shoe was a hint that, like, Gordy was, like, being controlled by the alien or something. Yeah. It was a very bizarre, con like, question, but it was just very funny to me and also cued me in immediately to the uh, the the fact that people were going to gonna ignore the fact that the shoe standing straight up doesn't mean something in regards to the fact that it's standing up because this reason it's it's the bad miracle thing. It's it's yeah. what a weird fucked up coincidence of like such a minor bizarre thing to happen amongst a tragedy uh is that a shoe landed in such a way where it is standing perfectly straight up and also yeah. that, that like that's a lot of probably what kept you alive because he ends up just focusing on that and not on what's going on around him yes i had thought to bring that I, I was kind of back and forth on whether to even bring up the shoe because it's such a holy grail of like weird ending explained stuff is like why was the shoe standing up? What the? And it's like, there's no answer to that question. You know, why? Why does anything horrible happen on camera? Why, you know, why do coincidences occur? Um, and I, I like, I agree with your interpretation of it, that it's like, it's a bad miracle. It's a, you know, it's, it's meaningless, just like, 
you know, just like how Gordy's, you know, intentions are fun- functionally meaningless, just like how Jean Jacket, the alien's intentions are functionally meaningless. Yeah, uh, no, it's just, it's just the movie is, is largely about just like, sometimes something fucked up just happens to you and you kind of, you make the significance out of it and that there is a human impulse to try and capture it and contain it in something that's understandable, which you even see of Jupe and like the way in which he very clearly like gives himself this idea that this is like a sign that like he was chosen to survive this when it's like, yeah, I mean, most of your cast and crew survived it. (laughs) (laughs) You just weren't killed before the ape was. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it, it's really, I, I think that's a really interesting sort of bait and switch for somebody who, for, for a director like Jordan Peele, who um, kind of traffics in those spaces and, and traffics in things, things being noticed and imagery being meaningful and all of this stuff, like, for him to, for him to uh, pull back the curtain and to say, like, there really is no meaning other than the meaning that you create. Uh, I, you know, that's really something that, like, I, I kind of left the theater, like, I, I left the theater and I was like, that was a good movie, thinking that it was, you know, just thinking that I was going to, like, probably stop thinking about it much more quickly than I actually did. I actually ended up thinking about this movie a lot, like, for a very long time after I thought about it, and that that was that was kind of like the pearl that formed, you know? Like, yeah, that that relationship of like meaning and meaninglessness and, and the pursuit thereof. Um, so, yeah, great, great movie. Yeah, no, good film. Good job, Jordan. Good work. <laughs> good work. I know. Mr. I know Peele. he was waiting with bated breath for her, for our podcast. Episode. <laughs> he Jordan Peele logging on. Fuck the film critters. Oh, my God. They haven't done their. Oh, they haven't done the review yet. Oh, oh I hope they like it. Oh, I, I like that our crossed. opening. I love that our opening is a fake out because, like, it seems like we're gonna be shitting on the film. And then it's like, no, we're just making fun of people, <laughs> people's stupid reactions to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I quite liked it. Another classic popcorn classic for me. Good job, Jordan Peele, the first and only horror director to have three good movies. <laughs> oh boy, it's the classic three movie run. That's how you know you've got someone who's stand to the, stand in the halls of fame and time for all cinema history. It's gonna be one of the goats, one of the greatest, uh, and that's all there is to it. Um, it was very smart of him to not direct the the Candyman remake. <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah that <laughs> yeah 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 because that would have broken the streak uh. <laughs> <laughs> well i'm i mean you know i'm glad i i'm glad i came in i'm glad i i'm glad i said my piece about this film we got in our, our a little kind of scream scream therapy in there at the beginning that was you know helpful kind of tore my throat up a little bit but um yeah but i i hope you've learned when to say no and when to say yep yep really brilliant use of like the super tense thing of like relieving it slightly by letting daniel uh do a little bit of just that that very dry comedy that he can do super well like when he's kind of leaning out and the lightning flashes and he's like nope no 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 no." (laughs) and then like him sitting there 
And it's just like like two minutes later, like locking the door, like <laughs> like the alien is gonna like come down and try to open the truck door. They really like they really killed it in terms of making those moments like the ones where like the audience says it with him, you know? Yeah. Like nope. Yeah, no, I, I saw I was re- I saw an interview of uh, Jordan Peele was like the the reason he called the film that um, is not just to, you know, like also like kind of throw off a bit of the like add a little bit of mysteriousness to it. But also it's because like he wants to try to put the audience in the same place as his characters so that they will be saying nope at the same time the characters will. Mm-hmm. Like he, he wants there to be that level of audience engagement where like you see the alien head come around the corner and then you see the other one pop out way closer to him. And you also go like, no, 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 <laughs> <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Uh, yeah. It unfortunately gives a lot of negative reviews a really easy bit. Yeah. Did I like this movie? Nope. What did I? Th- what did I think of? Nope. Read the sixth word. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! Well, in order to in order to pay for this session, can I can I just hand you a photo that I took of an alien? Uh, that's uh definitely real. Nope. Oh, god damn it. Uh, god damn it. 